This podcast contains discussions of domestic violence. Listener discretion is advised. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, please seek help from a trusted source or contact a helpline immediately. Welcome to Talks with Trivium. My name is Michelle Schaller. I'm the Senior Director of Behavioral Health at Trivium Life Services. Trivium Life Services is a nonprofit organization headquartered in Council Bluffs, Iowa. We have locations in Iowa, Nebraska, Idaho, Vermont, and New Hampshire. Services vary by location and include long-term support services, such as supported community living for individuals with intellectual disabilities, physical disabilities, and or complex mental health diagnoses. We have intensive residential service homes that provide community-based services for adults with severe and persistent mental illness and or substance use disorders. We also provide a range of behavioral health services, including your traditional counseling mental health services, employee assistance programs, student assistance programs, outpatient substance use disorder treatment, including partial day hospitalization, as well as domestic violence offender intervention. Our goal in Talks with Trivium is to introduce you to some of those services and the people providing them. We'll discuss topics related to mental health and seek to continue to normalize mental health as a component of overall health. Welcome to Talks with Trivium. My name is Michelle Schaller. I'm here with Alfredo Hernandez, and we have a special guest today, Wade. Alfredo, would you introduce us to Wade? Yes, Wade is a former client of ours who graduated the program. He did an amazing job, and um, one of the things that I really appreciate and why the invitation was extended out to Wade was, one, just the amount of introspection that he was doing prior to coming into the program, the fearlessness in, in which he approached examining his own self while in the program, um, and then really engaging, you know, after that initial discomfort in terms of entering the program, but just really investing in the work and speaking openly and honestly about his experience and what he was learning and his takeaways and how he's applying it in his life. Uh, at one point, he was working at uh, McDonald's as the manager, and he would come in and say, okay, man, I had to use these skills today because this <laughs> customer was outrageous or whatever. And so just always thinking about what he was learning and applying it. And I just really, really appreciated that whole uh, experience with him. Incredible. Well, thank you so much for being here, Wade. We're really excited to get to spend some time with you. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Super excited to meet you and to have somebody who has gone through the domestic violence intervention program today. You're why we show up to work every day. And I want to emphasize that point, actually, very much the reason why we do the work that, you know, Wade did in his own life uh, and in the program. It is very motivating for me uh, as an individual doing the work and just a reminder of, hey, man, this is why we do this and you know why we struggle through the difficulty and why we struggle through the things that we do. It's for opportunities to meet men like Wade who are looking in the mirror, asking some you know tough questions and, you know, making that change. So it's really cool. Well, today I'm hoping we can get to learn a little bit about your story, Wade, your experience and how life is for you now. So if, if you don't mind sharing just a little bit about what brought you to the point where you met Alfredo, where you were coming to Trivium. It's a loaded question, isn't it? That is a loaded question. Well, I think we all have like really rough times in our life where things happen. And uh, I was really young and I was making a lot of poor decisions and uh, led to repercussions and things that I have to deal with for the rest of my life, you know? 
And I didn't quite understand like what was going on with me mentally until I really like stepped back and um, got put in a program like this and uh, thought about why I was doing the things that I was doing. Yeah. Take me back to day one of group. You you walk in, there's other dudes there. You realize you're going to be coming to this group every week for a long time. What emotions were coming to mind other than general overwhelm? Yeah, I was definitely overwhelmed, but not really eager to share or participate much, you know, because it's a lot of people I don't know. They all have their own stories and their own their own things going on in life. I did want to learn things, and um, I didn't think that I was going to take away from the class as much as I took away, though. You know, on my first day, I would say I walked in a little arrogantly, but I would say first impression, I was naive. And maybe a little closed off. Yeah, closed off, definitely. I'm sure it... It's hard to walk in and know that there's, you know, probably 10 to 12 other people that, like you said, have their own stories. And it, sometimes there tends to be a desire to, without sharing, compare, right? If somebody is in a better or worse spot than us, or if they're doing better or worse with the, the class or curriculum even. Do you feel like you were more concerned about being judged or did you also tend to feel a little judgmental yourself? I was definitely more on the judgmental side, if I'm being honest. Like he said, like over time things changed and that's something that the class helped me with a lot, you know, is um, just uh, relating with other people and empathizing like with what other people are going through and how we're in the same boat and struggling through the same battles. One of the things that really stuck out to me, Wade, about you specifically is that you came in what I call ready, willing, and open. Certainly there's hesitations and there's nerves and, you know, there's fears coming into a program, but you had already started that journey in regards to, hey man, what am I doing? What am I doing here? How did I get here? But not having like the construct of understanding your personal history. Prior to you logging on, Michelle and I were talking about one of the sessions that we do. And one of that session is the blue beads. And I was telling her about, you know, how, you know, we're in a relationship and we have Mr. Mug and we have Mrs. Mug, right? And they kind of, you know, bump and then all these marbles come out. And it's really easy for us to say, look what you've done. Look at what you made me do. But the problem isn't that all these marbles came out. It's that we came into that relationship with all that baggage. And so, you know, I'm, I'm really curious about what that particular session meant to you in regards to understanding your specific history and you don't need to go into the bloody details but i want to you know this isn't hyperbole right and you had a lot of stuff man coming into the program and so what did that session mean to you in regards to becoming aware of your blue beads and understanding how that was shown up in your relationship and how that lent itself to you kind of i think that was one of the ones where you really opened up a lot it was about the fourth or sixth week roughly in your programming where you're just like, okay, man, I'm in, I got something to say, I think a certain way and your engagement and participation shot through the roof. So curious about that particular session in terms of what that meant to you. I really liked the concept of the, the blue beads and pink beads. I liked the whole idea of it and it's something that I hadn't thought about before. So like it was completely alien, which is rare because usually I think about and try to figure everything out. So basically it's 
where like we all have everything that has happened to us in our life up until the point of today, it's all connected to us and we're all a product of that. And so whenever you meet someone and um, form a relationship with them, whether that's a new friend or a coworker or your boss or, or let's say you get a pet, you know, you're going to treat them in such a way that is responding to like the things that you already come with. You're already affected by everything in a certain way and feel a certain way about everything. So I, I connected deeply with that because I didn't think about that before. And I really, I really put myself in like my partner's, my ex-partner's shoes. And I thought about what would it be like to be in love with a guy like me? And um, that was rough, you know, because a lot of people I've met in my life, they don't, they couldn't understand half of what I've been through. And so everything that I bring to the table is so heavy. And I never really thought about that before, but it absolutely is. And that has a lasting impact on the other person. I appreciate that. I appreciate that a lot. At what point did you start making sense of your history and making sense how that shaped how you think, how it shaped your perception about things? And I hope that what our program offered for you was a different way to see yourself, to understand yourself and how to feel about yourself. I'm going to make the assumption and it's the assumption rooted in our experience, right? That you didn't have the highest sense of self, right? You didn't view yourself uh, in a very positive way, but then you started to understand some stuff about your history and, and how all that stuff works. And so what was that experience like for you? That was good. That was great. It made me really happy because like, as you were saying, I didn't have a very high sense of self. And I didn't really value who I was or what I was doing. So I tried maybe like a year or two years before I came into the program to like start figuring out what was going on with me and my life and why it wasn't where I wanted to be and why every time I would meet somebody and try to have a friendship or a relationship, it would just crumble the way that it always does. You know, like, is it me or is, is it them? Am I just different? Are they just not understanding or what? So I really started trying to look into that, investigate that like two years, a year and a half before the program. And I think I got a lot of knowledge on my own. I did. But with that being said, I can't do anything with the knowledge unless I have the skills that I learned in the class to change that and to continue that and to keep stepping forward in a positive way that will change my life and help my life for the better. One of the things that I keep saying, one of the things, and they're adding up to many of the things, many of the things I enjoyed about you is that you were very responsible in both aspects of the word. So we have this notion of being responsible and taking responsibility for our behaviors, for our actions, for the outcomes in our lives. You never minced words. You're like, hey, I did X, Y, and Z, no excuses. Whether she had stuff going on or not, doesn't matter. End of the day, I did these things, that's not okay. So you took responsibility 
in the notion of verbalizing what I've done and taking ownership of it. But the other thing that you've done, and this goes to what you were just talking about in terms of skill work, is that you work really hard to become response-able. And you worked very hard to develop response-ability. Most people think that responsibility is just this innate thing. We just have it. But it's a skill set to cool the stress response system, to open up that gap between stimulus and response, and then to choose our response, right? And then more deeply to choose our perspective about the trigger and have then the ability to respond to the things. And that's ultimately what I want for my men in my program and the women in our program is, look, adversity isn't going to stop. Uh, you're going to have challenges and you're still going to have these mistakes that you make because of our lived experience and our belief systems. But your responsibility is more than just verbalizing what you've done. What I need to know when you go into the community is that you have the ability to respond to life as it shows up for you. And so that was one of the things I took away from your time in the program. Wade, you mentioned learning some some skills, some specific skills. So what do you know and what do you do differently now that you have had that opportunity to learn some new things? Definitely a big one is seeing the emotions and the feelings come on before they come on. Like calling out my body on how it reacts to things. I'll see it before and I'll know what's happening. I'll I give it like a label. I'm like, hey, okay, this is happening and this is happening because I'm upset. Or maybe someone said something that I have blue beads and it doesn't sit well with me because my past and how I feel about it. So that's a big one. It's just seeing what's going on with me. That's a really high level skill that a lot of adults don't have. So if you were to speak directly to those people, what does that look like? What are you recognizing that makes you say, oh, this is a sign. I need to take a step back. What is it that you're seeing? It could be something as simple as like your palms getting sweaty, or it could be something else like you're, you're at work and suddenly your thoughts aren't about work anymore. They're about what happened two years ago. That's how you know, like, hey, something's going on. Once you know to look at it and you know maybe where it's coming from, like you have to do some work yourself to know where it's coming from and like what happened to like in your past that maybe made you feel a certain type of way. And then once you know that, then you can take steps in the moment to correct that. Like, okay, maybe I need to just listen to a better song or maybe I should go talk to someone like my friend or something. Incredible. It just keeps reminding me of giving, you know, you're recognizing what's going on and you're giving yourself the opportunity to make a choice and to impact the the outcome before you get to that point where, you know, it's just a reaction. It's not really a choice at that point. So really impressive. A lot of people, kids, teens, adults don't know how to identify those those triggers or those signs, you know, that you're talking about. So I think that's really insightful. Thank you for sharing that. What's really interesting, Michelle, too, is once we start learning about these things and we start talking about these things and doing the work that Wade is talking about in terms of being able to identify, you know, label, name it, tame it kind of a thing is then you become so aware it, that it's everywhere. It's all around you. Just like, oh, that person is not very regulated and I can just see the knee jerk reaction. And so now that lends to this constant learning process, right, because you're just seeing it everywhere. Is that something that you experienced, Wade? Yes, absolutely. On a regular basis. So I can, I can, for the most part, stop a knee-jerk reaction pretty well. But then you'll be out in the world. 
doing something you're you're shopping and you're pushing a grocery cart you know and um someone comes by and they they get hit by another shopping cart you know and uh it could be just a no big deal thing like wow that was cool oops yeah like i'm sorry sir you know something like that but some people may overreact and some people may freak out and start screaming and just completely overdo the situation so you run into situations like that all the time where you have to continue to know that, hey, you've done the work and you're good. You don't have to drop yourself or forget everything you've learned because maybe someone else hasn't learned the work. It's, it's sad, but even regular people on a regular basis, I think everybody should just do some sort of self-analysis and just, uh, just get in touch with who they are and what makes them tick. Wade, what role would you say the support and relationships that you were able to build with the group facilitators had in your progress through the program? I think Alfredo had a huge part to play in it. If I didn't respect him or or value his opinion and um, his views as much as I do, I don't think I would have latched on and took away what I have from the program. So I think I think the facilitator definitely had a huge part to play along with the other guys, the other guys in the program. It's a good environment to where you could just like throw a ball back and forth and um, see what happens. Sometimes we have great ideas and sometimes not so great ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for, for me, right, an effort to get better, uh, what is it that you were able to latch on to? What was it about me that lent itself to that in hopes of one, making some notes about that, right? And be able to continue, you know, working with other Ben that come to the program, because unfortunately this work isn't going to end anytime soon. So I think the structure of it, you log us on and we have our plus ones, which are great, right? I don't know if that's like something that's like required to be in there or anything, but it's great. I think you have a lot of material like, Hey, go watch this, um, this documentary, like outside of the class. You have so many things that someone can do outside of the class to go and better themselves because we don't have time in the class to do all of these things. And sometimes the real deep work is like when you're alone reading a book, you know? I know definitely I read one book that you told me to read. I don't have the title to it right here, but I also watched a documentary you told me to go watch that we didn't watch in class. And um, I think you got a lot of material and a lot of stuff that you put out there to help everybody else. And I'm sure that some of those external resources help kind of tie it all together and really drives home how much a part of, you know, relationship health is in every part of life. It's in all relations. It's not just about romantic relationships. We talk a lot about that, right? It's, um, you know, our roles of, as, as a partner, as a son, as a sibling, you know, um, as the supervisor. These principles are applicable across the board. And, you know, my thought about this idea of ending domestic violence is really getting my men to see themselves in a different way and to, hey, this is what you're capable of and what we as human beings are capable of, right? We're not firing on all cylinders. What would you at your very best look like and how do we get you there? And if we can get you there, then across the board, we should be making improvements. And we jokingly say in in the group all the time, 
is when you graduate, not only are you graduating with a, a piece of paper saying that you have you know done what you needed to do, but I want you to be your, a supervisor at your work. I want you to be a lead at your work. I want you to start climbing the ladder because you are fundamentally showing up in your life in a different way. And people are going to say, what are you doing? You're fundamentally different. What's going on? I took a class at Trivium. That is my dream is that people start saying that in our community. And so, and wait, is, does that ring true for you? Absolutely. I think that um, you can learn a lot more than what the class is for. And I think that's important to think about. And that's important to to acknowledge and and know. Like, hey, walking into this, I can learn a lot more than what I'm supposed to be learning. And it can help me in every aspect of my life. I think that's rich. That leads me to a question for you, Wade. What is the best version of you? Like how how do you prepare yourself and set yourself up to be the best you that you can be? What does that look like? So the best that I can be is I'm productive and I'm happy. I'm positive and I'm kind. Everybody that's in my life just feels loved rather than is unsure and is, is scared and is walking on eggshells. So the best me that I can be is that, right? That's what I aspire to be. I wake up every morning. I like, I tell myself good, something good in the mirror and I brush my teeth. I take my dog for a walk, you know, and, um, you got to start it good and you got to be positive. Otherwise you won't, you won't reach that goal. If it's not something that you see, you have to see it for yourself. One of the things that you embodied, Wade, uh, in the program is we talk about this notion of being positive. And when we talk about being positive, it's not rainbows and butterflies. Hey, let's just be positive today with, you know, despite everything that's happening. We talk about positivity in the form of I need you to be positive about your ability to overcome challenges because they're going to come. And so that's the positivity now that you get some days that are sunny. Fantastic. That's great. But more that we understand this notion of being positive, uh, positive about our ability to overcome the adversities that are going to come. And I think you really embodied that. Something that Michelle and I talked about a few episodes back was this notion of labels. For example, addiction and addicts. And you might have 20, 30 years of sobriety, but a lot of people still refer to themselves as addicts. And so at what point do you become the change? So you shared with us a moment or an experience with the father of an individual that you were uh, had interest in and you guys were developing a relationship and then becoming aware of your background and then that instant feeling of like shame or whatever it is, right? And so how did you work through that and see yourself fundamentally different? Because I think you had a label of yourself when you first came in. I don't think that you're that label now, right? But of course, it doesn't mean that you're not doing the work when stuff comes up. So I'm really curious about that. Uh, it really boiled down to just I continued to show up in my best possible way. Because unfortunately, you're right. Not everybody is going to see you as the person that you've become. They're always going to. Some people will always see you as the mistakes that you have made in the past. And that's that's sad, of course, but it, you can't let that deter you from what you're doing because you're not doing it for them. You're not doing it for anyone. You're just doing it for yourself. That's what I wanted because I know I'm a good person. I know that I'm a happy person. I know that I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a great dad one day. It's there. I just got to just got to do it. And that's the thing is if you just continue to wake up and do it, wake up and show up the way that you want to show up, you'll be fine. Everything will work out.
So we did a session, session 52 on forgiveness. What did that mean to you, right? To be able to forgive some of the experiences that you've gone through, right? The, the notion in that particular session was forgiveness doesn't mean that we're okay. We're just saying that you're no longer renting space in my mind and you're no longer renting space in my heart. That doesn't mean I can't hold you accountable for the things that I've been through and what you put me through, but I'm going to forgive, right? Be able to move on. The other session that really stuck out to me, specifically to you, is the ones that we do on grief. And so it's one of the exciting ones for me, but it's also like, man, I don't know if my men are going to get this. We watch a video that's like a Friday, 3.30 p.m. after school special. It's cartoons. It's like, how am I guys going to relate to this? But it's also one of the saddest sessions because I get to hear for the first time in 10, 20, 30 years, grief that men have been holding and not letting go. And so I think about your experience, how much grief that you, you know, the loss of innocence and the loss of your adolescence and, you know, all those kinds of things. And just being able to have space to share that in a group room. And then, you know, where you're at with your forgiveness. I'm just, again, I'm just really impressed by the work that you've done at such a young age to talk about or to understand those two ideas. So tell me more about those two ideas, the notion of forgiveness and the grief work that you did. Okay. I think with everything, it's it's a daily thing. You know, you have to continue to work on it. You just don't achieve it someday. And uh, can I say that I'm happy with myself? Yes, I am. And can I say that I've forgiven myself? Yes, yes, I have, you know. And have I forgiven the people in my life? Absolutely. I think the hardest thing that anyone can do is forgive themselves, though. It's really, really hard. That's something that I definitely struggled with, was just forgiving myself. You know right and wrong. Everybody knows right and wrong. And um, the last thing anyone wants is to be just a bad person and do bad things. And so I think the biggest thing I struggled with for a long time was forgiving myself. But I also understood and I seen that I won't ever get better unless I can get to that point. You have to forgive yourself to be able to move on and start working on what needs to change. Grief. I liked the grief because I didn't really think that I had anything to grieve about. But I do. And I think we all do. Because like things happen in your life on a regular basis that are really traumatic. And you lose things that you don't even understand that you lost. And like, we, like what you said, like your innocence and your, your adolescence. Like if I can think back to the day that that was like taken from me, like my childhood, my hopes and dreams and like the opportunity to be better than what I am right now. But if I think back to the day that that was taken from me, I wasn't very old. I wasn't old enough to make my own food. That's for sure. That's sad. That is absolutely sad. And I, I sat here and I said, no, I, I don't think I have anything to grieve about. But that is something strong. That is something, you know, you have to see that and you have to, because that's a blue bead. That, that right. That's right. That's right. That is something that you carry with you without realizing. And it can make situations go haywire if you don't understand that and see that and work on it. Thank you so much for sharing a little bit about that. I, I know that our, our culture, our, our world hasn't always been a safe space for men to share feelings of sadness, feelings of grief, feelings of loss. Um, and it's something that I continue to work on creating in my life, in my home with my husband and my son. 
Yeah, and then actually in tying that into what Wade shared earlier, you know, one of the biggest things that he's done and is doing, and this is one of the things that we talk extensively with our men, is right now in today's culture, in today's society, our number one responsibility as men in a partnership of any kind, whether that be an intimate partner or that be a friend, a sibling, whatever it is, is our responsibility right now, our, the most important thing that we can do is create a space of safety. And I think that we are very focused on doing that. And it's really good to hear Wade um, manifesting that in his life in regards to creating that safe space for the people around him, especially the people that he is uh, in relationship with now and being committed to doing that work here forward, right? Is my number one responsibility is to create a safe space. And also for me, right, to explore these things in a way that's not, you know, beating myself up about these things. It's just like, hey, needs work, right? Like own that, acknowledge that, figure out what's one thing that you can do just a little bit better and, and continue that process of, of just of, of being better and getting better. Really appreciate that. It also just reminds me of the idea that it's so tempting to try to outrun trauma and grief to just pretend it didn't happen. It doesn't exist. If I don't talk or think about it, I don't have to acknowledge it or deal with it. But, you know, as you mentioned, it is a blue bead and we carry it with us regardless. So Wade, any parting thoughts from you in regards to, so one of the things we talked about is you become very aware of the people around you and say, that guy could use a program, right? That guy could use a program. You start to see it all around you. What is your advice to to folks that are, you know, having to do this, whether that be voluntary or involuntary? You know, I mean, what what would you tell your entering self? Right. If you look back and, and Wade, when you first came into the program, what would you tell Wade? I would say jump in, don't stick your toes in, just leap in and um, give it everything you got. And you don't know everything. You absolutely do not know everything. I think that's the biggest thing is the because the minute you um you let your guard down and the minute that you get vulnerable, that's when you're really going to pick something up. That's really when you're going to connect with the material. So I think that's that's my advice. Appreciate that. Appreciate that a ton. Thank you so much for your time today, Wade. You are the reason we do the work that we do. It's been a pleasure to meet you and get to hear more about your story. Thank you so much. You can find more information in our episode notes about Trivium Life Services, services we provide, and additional resources specific to this episode. You can find us at www.triviumlifeservices.org. Trivium is spelled T-R-I-V-I-U-M. Trivium.